This podcast is made possible by Lincoln. Discover how uplifting a drive can be at lincolncanada.com. One time, when I was in university, my friends invited me to a silent disco. A silent disco? What could that possibly mean? Were we not allowed to make noise? Now, silent discos are a lot more popular today than they were back then. They're a staple at music festivals, and people are even doing them at weddings. If you've ever been to one, you know exactly what it's like. You know the simultaneous feelings of independence and connection that you feel with the people around you. So when we got to this party, everyone was given a set of headphones to wear, each pair playing different music corresponding to three different DJs. If you closed your eyes and heard the music in your headphones and felt the energy around you, you probably think you were in a normal club. But if you opened your eyes and removed your headphones, you'd see a crowd of people dancing in a quiet room. To explain it out loud sounds so strange, but I remember being amazed. Everyone was doing their own thing, but together, all of us were sharing a collective experience. I'm music journalist Carly Lewis, and you're listening to The Sound Of, a Globe Content Studio podcast about how we experience sound in our daily lives. In this series, we'll explore the intricate nuance of sound, how it makes us feel, and the power that sound has in shaping who we are. In today's episode, Anna Wiesen and I discuss the evolution of art and how sound and technology can come together to create artistic, immersive experiences. Essentially, we take a stab at explaining the sound of new art. Art is an expression, that we know, and it's typically done through a medium, like painting or writing, that we also know. But art in the 21st century, in a modern world where we're connected, where tools, apps, and other collaborators are all at our fingertips, our idea of how we can create is expanding. That means our definition of art can expand too. As a creative director behind some of Toronto's most imaginative and immersive event experiences, Anna Wiesen spends a lot of time observing how people engage with art. I'm curious as to what your kind of elevator job description is when people say, what do you do? And then you tell them your job title. And then they're like, well, what does that mean? Constantly. Yeah. So do you have kind of a a phrase in your mind where you say, I do this and this and this. Yeah, so I'm a creative director and co-founder at Somewhere Else. We're an experiential agency that um, merges, kind of bridges the gap between brands and artists. Anna's job is essentially to build meaningful, exciting experiences that incorporate as many senses as possible. She uses sounds, visuals, and technology to move the audience and transport them, well, somewhere else. That feeling I was just talking about, that I had when I went to my first silent disco, that's a feeling and a type of experience that Anna tries to give people with every event she curates. And it often starts with music. Anna told me she's always had a knack for curation. She knows exactly which song to play while making breakfast on a Sunday morning, while driving home from a long day at work and while powering through to hit a deadline at her desk. She has a playlist for every occasion, every feeling and every experience. 
So when she got the opportunity to turn her instinct for song curation into a part-time gig as a restaurant DJ years ago, she leaned in. I started DJing um, in university to make a little extra cash, and that was really fun because I got to start at the beginning of the night, around 6. It was always on Friday night when people are kind of coming and getting their cocktail after work, and then it kind of transformed into date night, and, uh, you know, people coming to celebrate birthdays, and then, it, you know, near near 10 or 11, they wanted to be owners of the restaurant, really wanted to kind of make it a more energetic setting, and so it was really fun because I could I could craft people's experiences throughout the night. It was cool. I had a couple of people who would come back just because they love to go on that journey with me, which was really neat. As a curator, sound is one component you can use to connect with your audience when creating a personalized experience or creating art in general. Many artists have started to question traditional practices and are changing up the formula, putting things like visuals, sound, space, and technology together to create a whole new type of medium. I think we're seeing so much advancement in, or so much, I guess, integration of technology and art. It's almost become a joke that creators are making fun of themselves and saying, you know, my work is at the intersection of art and technology. But it's, there's, it's true. You know, these things are just constantly playing off of one another and technology, it's, it's just simply a tool to showcase the art. Some people may resist it and, and not appreciate, you know, maybe think that virtual reality should be strictly for architecture renders or whatever. There's one Diana Lynn Vandermeulen who recently made this like really cool little app. I think it's called Swampy Gogo. Quick interjection. What Anna's talking about here is an augmented reality cosmic exploration app where the artist takes the user through a whimsical, psychedelic, flowery 2D world. If that sounds confusing, just download it. You'll see how fun it is. It's really like all of her artwork come to life and she's using technology to let people kind of explore this world. She did a lot of paintings before, but now it's like these paintings have come to life and you can like wander through them. I think that's amazing. Like I think that technology can just be another way that you can experience the art. You can resist it or you can just see that it's just another avenue to explore. Artists like Vandermeulen use apps to take viewers into another world. Artists like Anna do the same thing with space and sound. I would say that um, in the kind of work that I'm a part of, it might be the most important factor. Because even if you take away all of the visual accompaniment and you're just putting somebody in a dark room and putting headphones on them or blasting them with sound, sometimes that's all you need sound and the curation of the musical programming is really the most important element. And then everything else can just transport you somewhere else just a little bit further. Now, before Anna launched somewhere else, there was the Young Lions Music Club. Founded in 2011 by Anna and her best friend Bobby Kimberly, the Young Lions Music Club was a group that hosted what they called unique and memorable branded music experiences. The club, which was free to join, united music fans across Toronto through dance parties and concerts. Even years later, Anna attributes the success of Somewhere Else to the community formed through Young Lions. Yeah, so Young Lions Music Club was a, it was literally a club that you could join. 
you could sign up and you got a little a little card mailed to you with a little letter that said, welcome to Young Lions Music Club. Then once people joined, they were on our newsletter and we just told them about the events that they were throwing. It really was just a community of music lovers. And it's amazing how that community has evolved and they're still with us. So much of where we are, the roots are still in Young Lions Music Club. The Young Lions Music Club also threw a lot of themed parties. Anna got her first taste of experience curation by helping Young Lions pull off a party in honor of Stanley Kubrick, the late American film director behind horror thriller classics such as The Shining, Eyes Wide Shut, and A Clockwork Orange. That party ended up being a bit of a scramble. More on that in a moment. Performance comes in many flavors on the road. There's the amped up, overtuned kind, and in the new Lincoln Aviator, there's the kind that just leaves you feeling better overall, more relaxed, more uplifted, more alive. That's the kind of performance Lincoln's all about. Discover it today in the all new 2020 Lincoln Aviator. Yeah, so our company was birthed out of Stanley Kubrick themed parties. And I was always in the background kind of helping out with these events. And I remember when the first theme party was to happen, it was The Shining and it was little you know about a month away and I said so Bobby how's this how does how's this gonna be a Stanley Kubrick theme party like what do you have in the works and he goes you know honestly I don't really know yet I guess I should figure that out it's coming up really quick and you know the Facebook invitations are out that's kind of when I started being really closely involved and helped him curate different artists to come and bring the space to life with, you know, projection visuals and set design and pulling in all kinds of creators. Sarah Cannon is this amazing muralist. We didn't go to the same high school, but she was in a neighboring high school and kind of everyone had known about her because she was just, she's wild at painting. When I asked Bobby, how are you actually going to bring this to life? He said, I don't know. Can you help me? I remember thinking, Sarah, you know, we must do like this huge mural. And she ended up drawing this like massive mural of the, that like maniacal face of Jack Nicholson. He said, here comes Johnny. Yeah, that iconic moment, she kind of painted it. And then we pulled in a projection artist and we might have an actor who runs by screaming. Everybody's eyes, just because they hear that piercing scream, will look over to where that sound is coming you can really use sound to manipulate people's attention as well. Suddenly, I, I remember thinking, this is so much fun. This is like so satisfying because when you see all of those elements playing together and creating this experience and it, it was, it definitely changed something. And then when we started this company, it still wasn't really a full-time thing until a couple of years ago. And so it was this like labor of love, just creating these experiences for the public. It was really that first Stanley Kubrick shining party that kind of started something new where we suddenly started having people ask us to do these themed experiences for them. Eight years and many parties later, the pair have mastered the art of full sensory party and exhibit planning. But when Anna looks back at the work she's most proud of, a more recent exhibition comes to mind, one that was inspired when she met a documentary filmmaker at a dinner. As the two got talking, a recent film about three African women came up. She had just flown back from Ethiopia and she was telling me about this film project and she was showing me some photos on her phone and they were so striking. They brought in a wardrobe designer to dress them in these stunning, bright, vivid colors. 
just visually, I was so inspired, and I said, when are, when are these films supposed to come out? And she said, oh, you know, sometime in, in the spring. And at the same time, we as a company had been talking about how we want to do an event just for ourselves again, because we do so much with partners. And we're constantly activating other people's themes, and it had been a while since the Stanley Kubrick themed party days. And so I said, oh, you know, I wonder, imagine we could do this screening that really brought to life your film in an experiential and an immersive way. We essentially took over a couple of rooms at the Toronto Media Arts Centre. It's a really interesting space because there's various production-type studios. Basically, it's just a square cement space. Like, it has these really tall, white ceilings. They're like, I don't know, 30 feet or so high. I stood in there um, with our team and we said, okay, we just need to surround people with the sounds of the desert. I just wanted people to feel like they were there. It was an immersive exhibit that we had split into two different rooms. We wanted one room to be kind of the, the room that was isolated towards just the films. So that was the quiet room that people walked into that, you know, people were not to socialize and they were just to take in the film. And so basically you, you would walk down the hallway and we directed people to go check out the films first. And so they had to enter through a big, thick black curtain. So we tried to control a lot of the light and sound from the outside. And then you stepped into this room that's essentially this big, big square with these really, really tall white, um, white ceilings, I would say about 30 feet high and straight towards the front of you. You were faced with these massive, high quality projections of the films that were on a loop. And then on the walls to your left and your right, we had these massive fabrics that we had fans blowing onto them so that they were moving. And on each of those, we had two different images and videos, um, like more B-roll footage from the films playing. We had speakers all around the room. And so you could hear, you know, the voices of the women, they were always coming straight from, you know, where they were speaking. So looking straight ahead, the voices were coming from the front, directly at you as if they were speaking to you. And then the wind, and there was a local choir, and the other sound effects from the desert that were so beautifully captured um, were, were, were all around you. That room was a space that people just hung out in and really took in the films and really familiarized themselves with these women. And then whenever they felt they were ready to move on, they were um, walked down a hall to another room where we had the actual dresses of the women that were worn in the film on display. And they were hung from the ceilings. We used chicken wire to fill them out so it looked like they were filled. And then we had portraits of each woman on fabrics and, and quotes from each woman kind of surrounding each dress. And that's always been kind of at the core of what we do is artist collaboration and creative collaboration, taking us and the people we work with somewhere else. Artists can provide just so much to something. I, I love to just bring in different collaborators. We've probably collaborated with over over 200 artists at this point. Um, and so anytime that we have the opportunity to pull in an artist to help us elevate an experience, we will do so. It, it really does make a difference just to get the different perspectives. The beauty of working with a diverse group of artists is that everyone brings something different to the table. Each artist has their own ideas about how to connect with an audience. For Anna, it always comes down to sound. 
Well, I think in terms of creating a space where people are completely immersed, you can really play with where certain sounds are coming from to attract their attention to something. Because we're often creating experiences that are themed or there's something we're trying to convey, the emotion of it is important. In my realm, the largest way that we've used emotionality to influence people's feelings within a space is, is likely just through, I shouldn't say just, but is, is through programming and choosing the right kind of performances that really will have that emotional influence on people. You know, we'll even use artists that we've worked with in the past and just get them to switch up their set and do something completely different. Even just like stripping a set that may usually be electric and high energy and making it acoustic, for example, can suddenly make everything feel more intimate. And I think that impacts people's emotions as well. Anna says that while people's individual experiences with art are personal, emotionality itself is universal. So when she brought the exhibit to London, she wasn't shocked to find that it was received just as well as it had been in Toronto. I do think it's a universal thing to an extent. Similarly to Toronto, the audiences in London were just as receptive. We had people staying in there for, for just as long. When the emotions of these women translates, I think it translates universally. You know, design thinking will teach you that you should always observe, 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 observe. And so I, I do like to watch how people take in art. Currently in my field research, I haven't found any huge differences, at least, you know, from, from that Western perspective. Anna crafts the sound of an emotion or space by first breaking it down into its core sensory elements. From there, she determines how she can mimic the effect of those with the tools at her disposal. A lot of different elements of sound play together. If we talk about music, the genre of music and the pacing and the mood of it really sets a tone. This description mirrors the fundamentals of music theory. A piece in a major key is a happy little tune, but played in a minor key, the tune has more dissonance. The sound turns sour and makes you feel tense or uneasy. Of course, Anna digs deeper than music theory alone. Instrumental music innately sets a mood. You strip away any lyrics, so you leave a lot more interpretation for the listener and the person experiencing that sound to, to really focus on the speed and on, on the elements that are in the music. Even if it's not music, but it's just a sound effect. If it's, you know, water rushing or footsteps, obviously those things are completely different than music that has lyrics that can kind of come with meaning as well. But then once you add in the element of bringing in lyrics and bringing in performers who are using lyrics and you're trying to craft programming around that, I think it becomes really interesting as well. And so I think there's so much to play with, like in terms of the genre of music or, you know, the volume of the sound or where the sound is coming from also uh, plays a huge role as well. Anna's use of sensory elements, especially sound, have redefined the event experience. As our conversation began to wind down, I couldn't help but conclude that Anna is also helping to redefine the way we think about art itself. There's something that the artist is trying to convey that they want you to pick up on, or they want you to interpret. They might not want you to feel one way or another, but they're trying to influence you in some, some way, shape, or form. We create these experiences that are immersive. We're just trying to have people feel something. And I do think there's an art to that. 
Furthermore, it gets layered into bringing in artists who are using their art, even if it's under the umbrella of a theme, they're contributing to this like overall art that's like a collective experience. So we have, you know, the projection artist, and then we have a muralist, and then we have an actor, and all of these different artists are coming together to create this one experience. We want people to, to walk away and say that they felt something or they experienced something. It's so much more than a nice photo op. It's so much more than having a good time. It's, it's that collective experience. So that feeling, that feeling that makes you want to grab the hand of the person next to you or makes you want to jump out of your chair or that leaves you and your friends speechless on the ride home. What does that sound like? Maybe that's the sound of new art. I do think the collective experience is something that's so magical, especially in environments when we're all coming together. But then we have in the past also done some more individual experiences where, you know, somebody can put on a, a headset and experience something just on their own, um, maybe tucked away from the hustle and bustle of everything else, but they can kind of zero in on something. But I love playing with collective moments and, and looking around and seeing and feeling that collective energy in the room and knowing that, okay, we nailed this. Like people are kind of all feeling something together, which I think is really magical. Special thanks to our guest, Anna Wieson from Somewhere Else. Show producers Monica Bialobreski, Carl Solis, and Audrey Carlton, our sound designer Alex Glutch, and our audio engineer Kira Corbett. I'm your host, Carly Lewis. Thanks for listening.